Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to episode 99, Protecting Your Health. As you listen to the podcast, do you find yourself saying, yes, I want that in my life, or yes, I want to make that change. I want to figure out how to make that work in my life. If you find yourself thinking those things, then it's time for you to schedule a time for us to talk. It is free. Your first, Our first visit is free. We just talk about things and see if it's a good fit. But I'm here to help you to personalize this for you. All this information that's on the podcast, all these things that you hear that are possibilities are possibilities for you. Also, I want to let you know that today is the last day, the day that you're listening to this, is the last day to register for the very last virtual workshop of 2020. The link is in the show notes and we've done a lot of upgrading over this past year and it's, there's so much goodness in these virtual workshops and I just want you there. I want you to participate. I, I really, I really want all the good things for you and would love for you to come and to learn. You know, our last workshop was great. I got emails from the people that were there saying how much they enjoyed it, how much they needed what we were talking about. But today we're going to talk about protecting your health. What are you currently doing to protect your health, your physical, your emotional, and your mental health? Today we're going to focus on physical health. It is widely known that a devastating loss has an impact on your physical health. It can affect your sleep, it can affect your eating patterns, your water intake, your schedule, the amount of time you spend physically active, your stress, and how you spend your time. All these things can impact your physical health. If your health has been affected by your grief experience, you are not alone. In fact, you are the norm. I'm going to share some of my own ups and downs of taking care of myself and how I've taken care of my health and ways I've let it slide. I've also shared some of my experience in my book, Miracles in the Darkness. I'm going to read a little bit of that to you today. You have your own story around your health. And I think you'll find some experiences in my story that you can relate to and others that maybe you can't, but I hope that this is really helpful to you. What has worked for you when it comes to taking care of yourself physically? What has worked for you? Have you been able to set some boundaries so that you can take care of yourself? Have you found some, some key things that are helpful to you and what hasn't? What hasn't helped your, your physical health? I re- recently read a couple of books about the blue zones. And if you're not familiar with the blue zones, these are the five areas across the world where they have an unusually high number of centenarians. That's people who live to a hundred or more. It was intriguing to me to see how in very different cultures, there were common elements that produced this result even though they were living in completely different cultures. Maybe you don't want to live to 100, and that's okay. I'm not sure I do either. But these same principles 
help you to live your years that you are here in better health and with better capacity to handle the challenges of life. And I think those are great things to strive for. I was having lunch with a friend today and she mentioned she has a son who's autistic and she said, oh, he does so much better when he gets a good night's sleep. And I thought, we all do better when we get a good night's sleep. So when we're taking care of ourselves physically, we do better. As I read through these books, I realized I had some work to do. And I realized where I struggled, especially in times of loss. I could really look back and see those struggles in times of loss. There's five pillars for healthy living to consider that we're going to talk about today. One is water, two is movement, three is sleep, four is social support, and five is nutrition. We're going to spend a little bit of time in each one of these with particular emphasis on nutrition because I find that this is the the piece where we, I don't know, I mean, for me, it, it felt more confusing. It felt more involved. So we're going to spend a little more time time there because that's really, it's really been central in my own journey, the nutrition piece. And we're going to talk about how these five pillars of health are affected by grief. But remember, I am not a physician, never have been, never will be. So if you have concerns in any of these areas that warrant a visit to the doctor, of course, that's your first step. But why do we have such a hard time with these things when we're grieving? Your world is turned upside down. So of course, it's been harder to maintain whatever good habits you had before. And of course, it's easier to pick up bad habits during this time. But at some point, and maybe that's now, you aren't comfortable with the bad habits. You're you're not feeling good. And the longer you go with the bad habits, the harder it is to turn the train around. Believe me, I know this from personal experience. That does not mean you need to change everything right this minute. It's about awareness, it's about curiosity, and just making some decisions, some small decisions that can build on each other. Asking yourself, what would help me right now? Because taking care of yourself starts in your mind. Yes, it does. Starts in your mind. How do you think about yourself? Do you feel worthy of taking care of? Because you are. You are. You are worthy of being taken care of. You are worthy of taking care of yourself. You're important. Your family and friends want you around. They want you to feel good. Make yourself a priority and get started. Start by practicing the thought, I'm worth taking care of. Practice that thought. Write it down. Post it. You know, we had an episode a couple weeks ago where I interviewed my friend Becky and she talked about the power of words. These are important words for you to practice. I'm worth taking care of. Super important. Let's start with water. It's probably one of the most important elements you take in each day and probably one of the easiest to pick back up if you found that you aren't currently drinking enough water. I don't, I didn't used to like drinking just plain water, but as I did it more and more, the easier it was and the more I enjoyed it. And now I can drink room temperature water, no problem. I even got to the point where a few years ago I cut out soda 
and I would drink it every once in a while, but I, I cut it out mostly. And I would even get bottled water when I went to the movies and got popcorn, which sounds crazy, but really when you get used to it, it's no big deal. It's something, something you can definitely get used to. And as I learned about the benefits of water, I just felt compelled to take in more and to eliminate some of the other drinks that I was drinking that weren't helping me. If you think back to biology class and the function of the cell, our cells work better when they are hydrated. Think grape versus versus a raisin. You want your cells to be plump and hydrated like the grape, not the raisin. And when they're hydrated, it means all of our systems work better because they're formed from cells. Our skin is better. Our skin looks better. Our digestion and our metabolism work better. Super important. And this is a really easy one to get started with. If you're wanting to do something this week to feel and look better, try drinking a lot more water, eight to 12 cups a day. I know it's the bathroom thing, right? (laughs) You start drinking eight to 12 cups a day. You may find yourself more trips to the bathroom, but your system does eventually get used to it. This is a habit I'm working on. So I actually, because sometimes I, I find myself drinking a lot of water and other times I find myself drinking less. And when I realize that I've been drinking less water, then I want to like beef that buck up again. So this is a habit that I'm working on right now. So I put it on my morning and my evening routine tracker as a reminder to drink more water. Let's talk about movement. I find people are either in the exercise camp or the I don't like exercise camp. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but when you find something you like and you get in the habit of moving, you will feel it lift some of your stress and re- and relieve it will relieve some of that stress and it will release your feel good endorphins. You'll sleep better even, and it'll just feel you'll just feel your body just feel better in space, like more balanced and stronger. And you can try any exercise. But one article I read a few years ago, it was an article featuring. Venus Williams, the tennis player. And she said in this article that when you try some new exercise, new routine, like Pilates or yoga or or whatever it is, uh, weightlifting, to try any new exercise at least eight times, because you really don't know whether or not you like it until you've spent some time doing it. But finding something that you like, one of the things that they noticed in the the blue zone studies is that everyone that in these blue zones, everyone that had lived to a hundred or older, they had some physical routine, something that they did. Some of them were things that (laughs) are completely outside of the range of what we would do right now in this modern age in the United States, but some of them were sheep herders on mountainsides. So obviously they were getting in some good exercise that was just part of their day. Now we have to be a little more inventive sometimes. So the next category is sleep. Sleep can be a real challenge when you're grieving. Either you want to sleep all the time or you stay awake at night because your head is spinning, spinning with thoughts about 
what's happened or why it happened or just, you know, just in that state of distress. We all do better with good sleep. So if you're struggling with sleep, consider the recommendations to avoid electronics at night, avoid watching TV in bed, set, set a schedule so that you're not up too late. So you're going to bed at kind of at the same time, eliminate as much light from your room as possible or listen to relaxing music, drink chamomile tea or take melatonin or use essential oils. I like lavender or a good sleep blend of essential oils that can really, really support us in our sleep. But if you're struggling to sleep, don't make it worse by being anxious about it. Just get curious, do a little research, see if there's some things you haven't tried that you want to try, experiment, reflect on how that idea helped or didn't help and adjust and practice the thought, I'm figuring this out. Really important. Practice that thought. I'm figuring this out. It will open your mind to things to try to find a solution. Social support is the next piece. This was a, another thing that came up in this study was that the, the people in these regions that were living with good health and longevity had social interaction. They had support systems. Here again, when we're grieving, sometimes we, we kind of push out the outside world. We don't want to be social and that's okay for a time, but maybe it's time to start introducing some social interaction in your day and in your week. The last piece, and this one we're going to, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on social support because I feel like we've done a lot of different episodes about our social support and, and how we navigate that, especially in grief. Nutrition, that's the last piece we're going to talk about. This was central in the blue zones. And one of the blue zones that they identified, again, the blue zones were these areas where they had unusually high numbers of people that lived to a hundred or older and they were in good health. And one of the blue zone areas is Loma Linda, California. And that one was particularly intriguing to me because they're living in the environment in the you know modern age of, of, American life. Some of the other places was an Italian island of Sardinia. There's Costa Rica. There was one in Japan. But it turns out Loma Linda was one of the blue zones. And I thought, well, if they can do it in Southern California, then maybe I can create my own blue zone in my own life. But Loma Linda is a highly, is highly populated by seventh day Adventists who it turns out practice plant-based eating in the form of vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. So they're central to their meals is plants. Super intriguing to me because I had studied plant-based eating for a long time and I actually practiced it for a couple of years and then I got my thinking got off and that this is what I want to kind of share with you because I've struggled with unhealthful eating and my weight from the time I was a teenager. And I look back at old photos and I think I was thin. Why did I have so much angst about my weight specifically? But it was the weird messages from society 
and the images that we see and the just those weird messages that create weird thinking that cause problems for me. Then I had a thyroid tumor that was removed while I was in college. And after that, I got married and started having kids and the weight packed on. And I had more thyroid problems and I divorced. And, and during my divorce from my first husband, I had rapid weight loss because I couldn't eat. See how my my eating patterns were influenced by grief. I couldn't eat. Nothing sounded good. Nothing tasted good. My stomach was always upset. I just didn't want to eat. And then over time, you know, my anxiety over the divorce and so forth settled down and I started eating again. I remarried. I had more kids. I had more weight gain that came with those kids. But after Carrie and David died, after they died, I was just constantly eating. I was constantly eating to feel, fill the hole that was in my heart. Eating was comforting. Eating was distracting. It was enjoyable. It was the only thing I really felt like I had in my life at that minute, at that moment in time that felt enjoyable. And I wanted to read to you just an excerpt from my book about that time when I was doing that. Um, so this is again, an excerpt from chapter seven of my book. Over the next year, I threw myself into exercise and just to clue you in over the next year was like the year or two after the kids had died. Over the next year, I threw myself into exercise, sometimes spending two to three hours at the gym in addition to playing tennis several days a week. The physical exertion seemed to be the only relief from my emotional discomfort. After the accident, I indulged in unbridled eating, which was easy to do with all the rich food coming into the house for months from friends who wanted to help. My activity level took the edge off my climbing weight until I eventually decided to do something about it. When I was in college, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease due to an overactive thyroid tumor. They removed most of my thyroid surgically, but in the following years, it grew back and I underwent radiation on my thyroid to shrink the tumor. As a result, I no longer have a functioning thyroid. This condition has made it harder, but not impossible to control my weight. But when I'm eating unconsciously, the weight climbs quickly. Before the accident, I had found a nutritional supplement that was helping me to stay healthy to, and to naturally lose excess weight and keep the pounds from creeping on. But after the accident, eating seemed to be the only pleasure left in life. A friend had recently lost weight, so it made sense to ask her what she had done. I felt desperate to take all the extra weight off, and I didn't think I could do it on my own, so I went to the weight loss clinic my friend referred me to for injections and a weight maintenance strategy. They put me on a 600-calorie diet. Obviously, it didn't matter what was in the expensive shots. I was going to lose weight on such a low-calorie eating plan, and I did. Physically, I looked better than I had in years. On the outside, everything looked good. I was taking care of myself again as far as anyone else could tell. I was put together and I showed up. I was putting on an award-winning performance that everyone was buying except for my family and my therapist. All the activity was creating an illusion of strength, but being strong was destroying me because I wasn't truly strong. It was all a front. 
So you can hear from this excerpt kind of my disordered eating, my disordered exercise even, spending that much time at the gym just to kind of avoid my emotions. That's really what I was doing. I was avoiding my emotions. And then my approach to trying to lose weight really wasn't about health. It was about losing weight by any means. And, and that takes a toll on us physically. There was no nutritional value and ultimately it didn't last because my thinking didn't sustain weight loss. I was going about it in a way that wasn't sustainable, that wasn't helping me. As time went on, it's stress of my, my business, my other business that I ran for a few years. I had more weight gain. I wasn't taking care of myself. I kept telling myself things like, I don't have time to prep food. I don't have time to take care of myself. Everything else comes before taking care of myself. These were the messages that I gave myself. And then 2020 hit. (laughs) And we all know what happened then. All the craziness happened. And then in order to avoid any excess emotions and to create some pleasure, because a lot of things had been taken away from us, I had more weight gain. But recently, a few months ago, I became ill and had some significant changes to my otherwise good health that I've enjoyed for many years. And I started studying again and looking for answers. And I was drawn again to plant-based eating. And now I had a why, but it was more than that. And this is not about plant-based eating. It's about our thought process. So when I was studying the longevity studies, when I was studying that, and I, when I was pairing that with reducing inflammation, which I needed to do, it, it pointed me in the direction of plant-based eating, which is what works best for me. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work best for someone else. So I'm not recommending a certain diet or a certain eating protocol or any of that, but it was really kind of wrapping my head around what do I want? I want to eat in a way that promotes health. I don't want to eat in a way that just shrinks my body, but takes away my health. And so those were kind of some main things that I was focused on. It's, it's the, it was my new thoughts that were helping me get the results I'm now getting. So over the past three months, I've lost 25 pounds and I'm not obsessive. I'm balanced and I'm approaching it from a place of knowledge, conviction, and love. Love. I know my target. I understand better than ever what works for me and what doesn't. And I love myself enough to pay attention. I'm worth taking care of. That is a beautiful thought that has helped me instead of thinking things like, I don't have time to prep meals. Everything else is more important than I am. So on and so forth. I started to really focus on I'm worth taking care of. So what does loving yourself enough to pay attention mean? What does that look like? So for me, I was unconscious before. Yes, I noticed but I ignored the signs that were pointing to the fact that my health was 
heading in the wrong directions. I've had times in my life when I've been healthier than others, and I was definitely heading in the wrong direction. I told myself things like, it's too hard. Like I said before, I can't do it because I had these reasons. I can't do it because of my thyroid. I can't do it because I didn't lack time. I can't do it because whatever. Of course, I wasn't having success because your results reflect your thinking. So if I was telling myself, I don't have time to take care of myself, then that's the result. I'm going to get results based on not taking care of myself. Or if I'm telling myself it's too hard or I can't because of a hundred other reasons, then my results were reflecting that thinking. I changed my thinking to, I'm going to figure it out. Remember I offered that thought to you earlier. I'm going to figure it out and I'm worth taking care of. And if I make the adjustments, I can adjust my results. If you've struggled with unhealthful eating like I have, I'm being very open about this with you. Either, you know, overindulging or eating things that just don't feel good in my body. Then I want to share some of the things that I've learned. One is when you're grieving, like for me, eating can mean comfort, pleasure, and distraction. So we have to get really honest with ourselves. As we gain weight, our feelings are less noticeable. So fascinating that as we, our weight becomes a protection, start noticing the comfort, pleasure, or distraction pattern, be aware, and then be clear why you're eating. If you're, if you want to eat something, are you hungry or are you needing emotional support? So ask those questions. Am I hungry? How else can I get emotional support? Make a list. Make a list of the things that you could do instead of eating to create that emotional support. Hobbies, call a friend, take a nap, drink water, journal, take a walk, read a book. But it all starts with the thought. It starts with the thought first, I'm worth taking care of. But it gets easier when you love yourself enough to pay attention. So one Paying attention means not ignoring the problem. That's what I've done for a long time. I've just tried to ignore it. But then when my health started to be affected, I decided I didn't want to ignore it anymore. I wanted to feel good. And number two, paying attention means creating a strategy. So I created a strategy. I researched it. And then as I created this strategy, Then the third thing that I did with paying attention means tracking. I track what I eat. I track when and how I feel. And I don't, I don't make it again. It's not obsessive. I weigh every morning, but I don't make it mean anything. If the scale's gone up a little or it's gone down, it's just, it's just information. I'm collecting information so that I can use a curiosity to figure it out. And now I made some decisions about when I eat and how I and looking at how I feel. So when I eat this, I feel good. When I eat this other thing, I don't. So I'm going to eat more of the thing that makes, helps me feel good. I'm going to stop eating when I'm satisfied, not when I'm stuffed, not even when I'm really full. I kind of, I'm paying more attention. So I'm noticing the clues in my body more. And number four, paying attention means adjusting as you go out of curiosity 
not shame and guilt. There's a huge difference. So curious. Okay, this week I lost a pound. What did I do? Out of curiosity, what did I do? Or this week I gained three pounds. There's no shame or guilt in that. It's just, okay, what did I do? Is that what I want to continue to do or do I want to do something different? Curiosity. It's an experiment. Again, those are one, paying attention means not ignoring the problem. Two, paying attention means creating a strategy. Three, paying attention means tracking. Number four, paying attention means adjusting as you go out of curiosity. If you want any help with these things, please reach out. I'm here to help. It gets easier because I'm committed to myself. And no longer will I say, I don't have time to properly feed myself. That's crazy talk. No longer will I put other things above my health. I'm also committed to you. I want to be here as long as possible and at the best health physically and mentally so I can be here for you. I'm committed to supporting you in your grief. I'm committed to providing uplifting support that you deserve to share a message that healing is possible, not just for some people, but for you. I want to shout it from the rooftops. Healing is available to you and anyone else willing to believe that it's possible for them. You deserve support and encouragement, and I want to be a part of that support and encouragement. I know what it's like to be in a place of darkness, of despair, and feeling like there's no place to turn. That's why it's such a passion for me to share with you the path out of darkness, out of despair, so that you know where to turn. I can't show up the way I want if I'm not healthy. I want to encourage you to love yourself enough to protect or improve your health, no matter what that looks like for you. Be your own advocate. Get the support you need to make whatever changes you need to make. Don't try to change everything at once. Pick one thing. If that's drinking more water today today or this week, that's great. All right, we're coming to the end. Who needs to hear this episode? Who can you share this with? If this podcast has been helpful to you, will you please share it on Instagram and Facebook and remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Have a fabulous week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye.